Hi, I'm Maria Theoharis or Velosos on social media. Welcome back to So Over 50 podcast on So Organized Style. Grab a cuppa and relax with us. Jodie has done a recent runway show. She's done a gallery ex- exhibition. And what else have you been doing, Jodie? I went out to Burning Man. That was kind of fun. <laughs> oh, you didn't, did you? That conversation you heard about Burning Man 23 is on the Patreon account. I felt that it was time to give a surprise behind-the-scenes audio peek into the podcast's very supportive Patreon subscribers. Why don't you join them? So the 50 intersects with all communities. We're a community that is so over ageism. The Sober 50 editorial team are working hard behind the scenes to ensure that we are positively leading, being visible in the sewing world. Jodie Halliday is today's multifaceted podcast guest. Most days she publishes her sewing and repurposed projects on her Instagram account called jodie.halliday.3. Jodie, thanks for coming onto the podcast and for inviting me into your home today. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. I was given your name by Sandy Bat, who is Sunny Days at Sober 50. So she's one of the two people that have been running Sober 50 with Judith Staley since 2018. And they've done a beautiful job, haven't they? They really have. Yeah. When did you discover Sober 50? Yeah, about a year and a half ago, I made a denim dress and it got a lot of play on the internet and somebody in the Sober 50 community saw it and suggested I I might want to be a guest editor for a day on So Over 50. So they invited me to do that and that's how I found them. And it's been wonderful because I've really met some wonderful people who have very similar tastes to mine. And it's just been a wonderful way to build a community. Yeah. With the dress that you made, have you always sewn? Oh, I've sewn forever. I had a 10-year period when I sewed a fabric that I call sky fabric, which was a composite of a layered, I'd layer as many as half a dozen pieces of fabric together and then channel stitch them and cut down to everything but the base layer and bloom it out either in the washing machine or through misting it. And I'd get this wonderfully textured piece of fabric and that I would make coats and hats and bags and things like that. But then my wrist wore out and it got to be too heavy. So I started thinking about denim and how much I like denim. And I sort of got into a denim recycling, upcycling. What can you do with denim? And I really enjoy working with denim. And you still work with denim? Yeah, every day. I just, I've got one on the mannequin right now. I had my dress on at a gallery show this past summer and somebody who came in saw it and asked if I could build one for her. And I said, yes. So I'm building a custom dress for somebody who was in the gallery this summer. Oh, wow. Do you often get people asking you to make custom garments for them? Not often, although it seems to be growing. People seem to be finding me and and seeing something that they like and then asking me. Usually I sell what I want. I show my work through galleries. So it sells through galleries and people pretty much, but if somebody asks me, I I can do custom work. So you've touched on the fact that you, you create pieces for the, for galleries. When did you start showing your work in galleries? It's going to be 15 years ago now. I made a coat for myself, a sky coat out of the layered fabric. And I thought, where would I find the people who might be interested in a coat like this? And I went to a town in Vermont, Woodstock, Vermont, that is quite an artistic town. And I thought, I'm just going to walk up and down the street and see what I just observe. What can I see here? And I walked into a gallery and the woman who was behind the counter, she was busy with a customer. And then when the customer left, she said, I want to talk to you about your coat. And I said, 
good. I said, because I'm kind of looking for a market for it. And I don't really know how I might market it. She said, right here. And they had a sister gallery. So I was with their, I was in their gallery structure for about a 10 year period of time. I live on an island now. And when I moved to the island, it got to be too difficult. It was a cooperative gallery. And we each had to work two days a month. And it became too difficult to get off the island and then be in the gallery. So I stopped with that gallery, but then I went to a local gallery here and I have a show every year. Most years I have a show. People from all over the world come to Peaks Island to come and see our little old island. So I sent a couple pieces off. One of my pieces went to Spain and a piece last year I know went to England. I make what I make and people come in off the street and <laughs> they seem to like it and I just get to make more. So that's fun. Oh, and what made you move to Peak Island? It's just a wonderful community out here. It's a small community. There's about a thousand of us in the winter, about 5,000 in the summer. We're in the harbor of Portland, Maine, 20 minutes out of Portland. So it's, you can go in town if you want to, but I only go in town maybe once a month or so. I fill up my car with gas and get groceries and we have a grocery store on the island and we have a wonderful community of artists and creative people. And my swimming team is important to me. It's just a mutually supportive society. I just really enjoy being out here. That sounds wonderful. Does your swimming team compete or is it more of a social thing? Oh, no, no. We just, it's, we just joking. We, we call ourselves PIST, the Peaks Island Swim Team. It's very uncompetitive. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a recent runway show. How did that come about? The main craft organization of which I am a part, I, because I show in the main craft gallery, he has a runway show every year and they invite designers, main designers on the runway, and they invited me to participate this year. I was one of six main designers who presented six looks. It was fun. We had a couple of women from Africa, which was very interesting. Very ornate garments coming. We have a large immigrant population. So we had some, so we had a couple of women from Africa and we had a, a handbag designer and a children's designer. The Maine Craft Organization tries to get a, a cross section of designers doing things in Maine that their public would want to hear more about. That's really good that the island has got a diverse population. And then the show had a diverse range for people to really enjoy. Portland, Maine has got a lot of diversities. How long does it take you to prepare for a runway show? Three or four months, because I already had pieces that I knew that were, that were I was getting ready for a gallery show. And the one pieces that I showed were when I, they ended up in the gallery. After I had, I think I had three or four pieces already done. And then I did a, I did a special dress and then my Burning Man piece. There were three pieces that needed work. So tell us about the Burning Man piece. It's a long black denim robe with a gyved collar. It's just very flowy. A long black denim robe that is covered with dust when you see because it, <laughs> it's pretty dusty out there. <laughs> and it was your son that wore it. It was actually too big for him. In the runway show, I had a six foot tall model. One of my fellow mermaids wore it in the runway yeah. show. I wore it at Burning Man. I wore it at Burning Man. He had it on, but it was too big, too much. It was just too much roll. Sounds pretty amazing. And it's great that you can actually wear it too. So we've talked about your runway show. We've talked about your gallery ex exhibition. The, other, the third part that I wanted to touch on was COVID's blight and recovery. Talk to us about that. I've had all my vaccinations and I managed to be COVID free for almost four years. And then the night of the gallery show, we had an open house and I came down with COVID. So my, my gallery show was cut short a little bit. And it took me a couple of weeks to get over that. I actually had an interesting experience because in 2020, my son and I were in Amsterdam headed for Istanbul and they closed and it was, the, it was March of 2020 and they closed everything down. And I said, Peter, should we try to make it to Istanbul? He said, I don't think they're going to let us, mom. He said, we just got a note letting it that they won't let anybody in. So we headed back to the States and then tried again. And we finally made it to Istanbul and two years later. Yeah. So COVID's kind of been in my brain here lately. What Do you have any residual effects? It took me longer than I thought of to get rid of it. 
my concern these days is that the, the British Fashion Council tells us that there are enough clothes existing now on planet earth to clothe the next six generations of people and i just think about all the clothes that are still being manufactured and still being made and why do we keep making all these clothes when we have all these clothes already here why don't we get creative with the clothing we already have and why are we creating all these new clothes they're going to end up in landfills and they're going to end up the average garment is only worn something like three times before it's discarded i mean that's ridiculous our planet can't continue on that. We just can't. It's not sustainable. Right. So I've become very interested in upcycling and denim seems to be the thing that attracts me, but pieces of fabric that talk to me, I just, I just like to work with existing fabric because it's already there or existing garments. I love to take a garment. Let me show you this one I'm working on. All the images and things that are on your Instagram account, I'll have them on the show notes. You know, trying to get the shoulder sleeve, the hip curve on a pair of pants to be a shoulder curve. It's got two shoulder curves. Yeah. I wasn't sure how I was going to close this jacket. I was shopping in a, in a secondhand store and I found this pair of jeans that was buttoned down the front. And I thought, oh, great. That's all right. This is my closure. Now I know what my closure is going to look like. I just have to put it together. It's looking really good. I look at silhouette. When I was doing the Burning Man robe, I wanted a high collar and I found a, a Valentino robe that was worn at the uh, Met Gala. And I just liked the way that the collar came up. And I thought, how can I make this collar? What, how can I get my collar to come up like that? So I look at silhouettes and design and pieces of designs and just see how can I reference that in the work that I want to do. Okay. And the good thing is you've got the depth of sewing experience so that you could figure out, okay, for that silhouette, what fabric do I need? And what else, what other structure do I need to make sure that it stays in the shape that it that I want it to be yeah so I had to curl I did some I did a piece of sky fabric and I rolled it to give me the collar that I wanted and then I sewed it underneath to push it up so that there was I wanted there to be a statement collar on the piece and you did it I just play I've been known to be working on something for a number of hours and then just finally let's take it off my table and put it in the trash and say we are going nowhere with this one (laughs) and I think that's important for anybody who's sewing is to say is to experiment and say this isn't working or this is working. I like where this is going. Let me see what else I can do with this. Or then to say, no, nope, we're done with this one. It's going nowhere and just heave it off the table and start again. So I would encourage anybody who's, I think we're all creative. I, I know we're all creative in, in different ways and just and take your creativity and just experiment, you know, play, play with your fabrics, play with your colors and see where they go. And so with your creativity, do you have some place where if you have an idea, you you store it? <laughs> I mean, I probably, well, my brain, my brain is always, and coming back from Burning Man, my brain was on, my brain didn't rest for like a week after that. There was just so much, the artwork out there is just fantastic. And my brain just couldn't stop seeing things. I don't record in notebooks, no. I just record in my brain and I, I don't know, there always seems to be something coming up. <laughs> oh, that's good. It's one of those things where some people will store it somewhere. Um, personally, if I have an idea, I'll put things aside and then eventually get to it and then add other ideas into it and make it. And you're right that sometimes you might be working on a garment for hours and by the end of it, you think that didn't work. And you've just got to say, okay, off you go, off the table. So in the sewing process itself, is there part of the process that is difficult for you that you would love to see made easier? I keep saying I need to get electric scissors because my scissoring hand is compromised now. That repetitive motion is not good. 
So I'll Google electric scissors and I'll get, you know, 27 responses and I'll go down the rabbit hole and I'll get nowhere. Well, Jody, thank you for talking to us about the clothes that you create, the textiles that you use and why you use them. And it's given our listeners a way of trying to use existing clothes to create something that they're happy to wear. Spend 20 bucks in a secondhand shop and buy and buy garments that look of interest to you and think about how you might put them how you might put them together again or how you might reconstruct them or how you might I don't know as I say I'm not a I'm not a real pattern follower so I, I'm probably not your traditional sewist. I don't go looking at a pattern and then try to find a fabric to go with it. I would encourage you to just just experiment, play with fabric and play with garments. Years ago, back in my misspent youth, I was traveling and I didn't have any clothes with me. I left my backpack in in Europe because I thought I was going to Greece for 10 days. I ended up spending a year and it was out of the country and I was coming up on the holiday times. I didn't, and I wanted a nice skirt to wear for Christmas and I didn't have any, but I had access to the rag bag. And I just remember going to the rag bag saying, okay, how am I going to close this skirt? And I found a men's shirt and there were buttons on, there was a button placket on one side, buttonholes on one side and buttons on the other. I thought, okay, this is a closure. Okay. I would just encourage you to experiment. Don't be afraid to experiment. I don't think we need to create more new clothing. Jodie's background story demonstrates how through her whole life she has been repurposing clothing to make new clothes for herself and others i hope that her experiences will help you see that doing this in a staged approach will help you figure out how to repurpose the clothing that you already have access to and that way we reduce landfill it's a great message that jody halliday lives and breathes every day Thank you. Thank you. All right. Nice to, nice to chat with you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. This episode of Savvy 50 Podcast on Soul Organized Style was produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, with permission of Jody. sound by bensound.com. Many thanks for the ongoing support of this podcast by the Patreon contributors. Their ongoing support enables me to develop these podcasts for free. Make sure you direct message Sandy and the editors at the Sober 50 account on Instagram to contribute to the ongoing posts and challenges that the team promotes to the community of over 48,000 followers. You can subscribe to Soul Organized Style Podcast but with an S not a Z on all good podcast apps. Make sure you go back and listen to our free Sober 50 archive on Soul Organized Style Podcast. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.